Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Collins Hill Bible Broadcast. We are so honored that you've taken time to be with us today, and we encourage you to grab your Bible and follow along as we're continuing in our study of the book of Mark. Here in the book of Mark, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11 at a familiar account of the baptism of Jesus Christ. And uh, of course, where we've been is we have seen uh, some of the prophecies that John Mark gave. Uh, We looked at John Mark, the person, who he was, and we found that failure was not final with the Father. And we saw uh, who John the Baptist was and how he was clothed with camel's hair and how he was he he dressed like the Old Testament prophets did and and he identified himself publicly as a prophet of God by his dress and and we see his humility and then we see the uh, message that he was preaching of course we saw that there was one that was coming that would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and that was the picture of salvation there but we come to verse number nine and we are introduced in in a in a sense to the person of Jesus Christ and of course in this gospel record John Mark he gets 9 verses in and he's right at Jesus and uh, other gospel records we have the birth of Jesus mentioned and we have different things that are uh covered and mentioned in other gospel records but here in the book of Mark here in verse number 9 Jesus steps on the scene I want you to notice the first thing that we find here is the time. The time. Read with me verse number 9. It says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. We see the time. Jesus was about 30 years old at this point. Now, based on Luke chapter 2 verse 52 uh, and that and those verses there, Uh, The last time that we have any mention of the life of Christ is at 12 years old. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And so for the last 18 years up to this point, really the life of Christ and the Bible is silent on what Jesus Christ was doing. I think that it is fair to say, although the Bible is silent on it, and we want to be quiet and silent where the Bible is silent, But I think that it's fair to say that in those 18 years, Jesus continued to do what he did in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that he continued to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I think it's fair to say that. But we see that the timing of this is that it came to pass that in those days that Jesus came, he was 30 years old and he was waiting for the appointed time that God had set forth for him to begin his public ministry. So we see, first of all, the time, but second, we see the travel. We see the travel. I know this is a, a small um, a small point here that we're going to look at, but it, it's interesting nonetheless. We see that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. Now, we covered a couple lessons ago that Judea, that region of Judea, was that southernmost part of the nation of Israel, and that's where John the Baptist's uh, ministry of baptizing people in the Jordan River was taking place at. And we know also that Galilee was that northernmost region. So so Jesus traveled at least a couple days to get to where John was. I think that's just an interesting uh, fact that Jesus traveled uh, many, many miles to be baptized. And we see the priority that, that he had set here to be baptized of John. Then the third thing I want you to notice is that we see the Trinity. 
I don't believe that there is any greater example of all three members of the Trinity represented than right here in our text. Now, there are some really good ones, but this one is just so clear, so abundantly clear. He says here, and straightway, so Jesus, he was baptized of John and Jordan, and straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In these two verses, we see God the Father identified, God the Son identified, and God the Holy Spirit identified. And we know and we believe that this is the Trinity. This is the Godhead. That there were there is one God manifested in three persons, and that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, as we look here at verse 10, it says, And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened. Okay, so this is this is Jesus. Jesus is coming up out of the water, and that's that Jesus is the Son of God. And then we see he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. Okay, so that Spirit, that's a capital S in your Bible, at least it should be. That's the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Okay, he's taken on the form of a dove. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And here we have identified for us the Father. So we have God the Son, God the Spirit, and God the Father all identified in this same passage of Scripture. Now this gives us proof, in a sense, that Jesus... That, uh, that Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, that they are not the same person. That is, a, that is a belief that we have identified and is known as modalism or oneness. That when Jesus was here on the earth, that, that there was no Father up in heaven and that there was no Holy Spirit. But then when the Father spoke, here in this passage, then, then then God jumped up to the Father, and then he jumped back down into Jesus, and then when he saw the Spirit as a dove, he jumped back over into the Spirit. And so we see that, that it was one God, but that they're not manifested in the three individual persons. But we believe, based on this passage and many others, that there is one God, but he's manifested himself in three different persons. Now, you may say, Lane, and I don't fully understand that. Well, guess what? Join the club, because I can't fully understand it either. I can't fully wrap my mind around the Trinity. But, you know, I can't fully wrap my mind around how one person, Jesus Christ, could die for the sins of all mankind, and how that right there could pay for every sin that I've ever committed and that I will ever commit. I cannot fully wrap my head around it. But just because I can't fully wrap my head around it doesn't mean I can't appreciate it. Doesn't mean I can't believe it. Doesn't mean I can't praise God that it's true. I'm thankful that our God, His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And when things don't fully make sense to us, and when we read a passage in the Scriptures and and we say, I don't really fully understand that, that the truth is not dependent upon our understanding of it. That the truth is rock solid. The truth is true no matter what. And we have something that we can say, you know what? The Bible says it. That settles it, whether we believe it or not. And I'm thankful that these verses clearly show the Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-existent, yet one God. And we praise the Lord for that. But I want to cover here in the last couple minutes that we have together, I want to give you three reasons why Jesus might have been baptized. 
Now, we can't say for certainty with any of these, but but I just want to give you three that uh, I w- in my study I found were interesting. I got these. Uh, these were some of the questions and some of the reasons J. Vernon McGee gave, and so uh, the credit there is to him, but I want to give these to you. First one is to identify him with the human race. Of course, we know that baptism is an identification. When, when the folks went out to John the Baptist and were baptized, they were identifying themselves with the message that John the Baptist was preaching. And when you and I are baptized today, we are identifying ourselves publicly with Jesus Christ. And so one of the one of the main uh, reasons why Jesus would have been baptized is to identify him with the human race, saying, hey, I am 100% man. And of course, we do know that he was 100% God at the same time. But we see that the first one is to identify him with the human race. Number two is that it might have been a symbolic of his death. Of course, we know that baptism, when we are buried in baptism, that that is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us, but it also is a picture of what took place inside of us, that we died to our sin. And then when we're raised, it's a picture of Jesus rising from the dead. And it also is a picture of our own spirit, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we have been saved by the grace of God. And it's an outward picture of what took place on the inside. And so that might have been a reason. And then here, the last reason that he gave possible was that set part that it was uh, it was to set him apart for his work in ministry. Of course, we know that baptism is the first step of obedience for a Christian. If you're here and you're listening and you're saved, you need to be baptized. Baptism is the first step of obedience for any Christian. He gives us in the, in the Great Commission that we're to go, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We ought to baptize those that get saved in a local New Testament Bible-believing church. We need to have get folks baptized because that is the first step of obedience. And if you're listening and you've never been baptized, well, I encourage you to be baptized because that's what God commands. That's what God desires. He desires that we all are baptized. And uh, so we could uh, see this as it, uh, being, it it was setting him apart for his work and his ministry, is that it was a sign of obedience, that it was an example to us, um, that before we can serve the Lord truly, that we would need to be baptized. But, but I can't give you uh, the for sure answer on any of these, but I just wanted to share those with you and I'll let you make up your mind and you can choose which one you like uh, the best. And uh, I guess if, if, you're, if yours uh, disagrees with my reasoning, then uh, it's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. That's fine. Um, I'm just kidding. But we are, uh, we are just going to go ahead and move forward here in the book of Mark. And uh, what an exciting passage of scripture that we've had here. Mark chapter number one, verses nine through 11, as we've looked at the baptism of Jesus Christ. Christ and and the great truth that it has for us. Well, I do thank you for tuning in to, tuning in today, and we do pray that you have a good rest of your day and a good weekend as today's Friday, and we're going to look forward to being with you and continuing in our study of Mark on Monday. <laughs>